Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode features one of the three guests on my hour-long NPR show, heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the family-owned foreman pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. Good enough for you to eat, but your cats won't appreciate that. I have been getting so many requests from wonderful individuals and nonprofit organizations saying, please bring the dog film festival to our state or town. Please bring the cat film festival. And I got a request for Beverly, Massachusetts from Heidi Roberts, who has an extraordinary small, completely volunteer and foster-based Friends of Beverly Animals And she said, can you come to Beverly, Mass? We have a wonderful theater, the Cabot Theater. And that remains to be seen because I have a film distribution partner who figures that out with the theater. So anyone interested can write to me and we can do our best. But right now, I'm looking forward to meeting Heidi and learning about the work, Heidi, that you've been doing as the founder and president of Friends of Beverly Animals. Even though it's animals, you're really kitty cats mostly or entirely, aren't you? Yes, we are mostly cats, but I at some point I would like to uh, ex- expand to dogs. But the the real, I imagine, pressing need is the unowned or homeless cats who need yes. to be trapped and neutered, spayed, and many of them, or some of them, you're able to also find adoptive homes for, aren't you? Yes. We've been doing this since 2007 when um, I found Millie. Millie the cat on Mill Street, who had her arm caught through her flea collar, and she was totally emaciated, and she was hurt, and people told me she lived under a building. So I went down, I talked to the building manager, and we couldn't get her. So I went down at 7 o'clock in the morning and with a carrier and some tuna fish, and she walked right in the carrier. Well, she walked on three legs, right? Yes, she did. She could. She kind of hopped. So, I, and I had been volunteering for another group for ten years that used to cover Beverly and uh, another town. So I called them, and they said we don't do Beverly anymore. So I called the city, and the city said we don't have money and we don't do cats. So I took the cat to the veterinarian, and um, you know, paid for it, and then I put her picture and in the paper, and I said I would like to start a group. And that's how it all started. (laughs) Heidi, that is so lovely. So this cat who 
somebody had owned because they had put a flea collar on her, which are yes. actually yes. quite dangerous for cats because yes. they're not breakaway yes. collars, folks. And cats exactly. can get hung up even on the branch of a tree and then, you know, strangle. Yes. But having your mm-hmm. arm through your the through your yes. necklace, if you will, it's imagine the discomfort and the misery of that. How extraordinary that you heard about the plight of one cat and you've uh-huh. gone on to save the lives and improve the lives of thousands of cats. That must have been an interesting moment for you to realize that there was a need not being fulfilled and you said, uh-huh. okay, I'll step right up. When you put yeah. that message out to the community uh-huh. and said, yeah. here's Millie, here's me, who wants to join me, what kind right. of response did you get? Well, we got quite a few volunteers and one of them was an attorney. Wow. Who did our nonprofit pro bono? No. Yes, we How were so lucky like we that? still have her. She does our tax filing. So yeah, we were lucky there. Isn't that something? That's an important yes. thing for people to hear. I always want them to yes. hear that. It's very good to to have good intentions and yes. Not so great to be spending a lot of your own money. In the end of the day, you're, that's not going to no. be good for your financial health. But one of the problems with becoming a legal nonprofit is it's not simple. It's complex and oh. requires a lot of paperwork. So that was uh-huh. really brilliant to have a lawyer who said, I'll take that part off your plate because yes. that, that does ruin things for a lot of people. Yes, yes, it does. So, And she lives right here in Beverly. So we've this has been going on since 2007, and before that, I got involved with the other group 10 years prior to that when I, I'm a realtor, I still work, and I did a, a market analysis for somebody in the house, and I went out in the yard, and there's a mother cat and kittens sitting under a bush, and I said, well, whose cat is that? He said, it's not mine, and I don't want her, so I checked around the neighborhood, and somebody said, oh, somebody left her behind. And nobody wanted to take her in. They used to place her kittens. Well, I ended up taking her and the kittens in my house, and uh, she had a hurt tail. So the animal control got involved, and I had and came to the house, and I had to quarantine her for for six months. Six and animal months. Control told, Why? Yes, at the time. Now it's four months with a uh, a wound of unknown origin. You have to quarantine the animal for four months because it, you know, could have had rabies. So anyways, so I, um, so then she told me about this other group and it was called Strays in Need in the, in the neighboring town, Danvers. And I said, oh, I found my people. Oh, <laughs> how lovely. So I uh, volunteered for them for 10 years, fundraising and, and fostering kittens and so forth. That's really, you know, the plight of cats is so deeply touching because they are so loved by the people who love them and then so disrespected, so profoundly disrespected, sometimes by the very same people who simply move to another house. I mean, you hear this. Now, there are cats who refuse to move to a new house and want to stay in the old location. But that's not usually, but the cat is not usually choosing to live an un, unattended no. life. They just, they're comfortable in the place where yeah. they're living and the people haven't taken all the steps that are quite easy to take to get them used yeah. to a new place. This is well, it's against to, the law to abandon an animal. I know. It's really, it's kind of mind-boggling. And then you have people yeah. in the neighborhood saying, 
Yeah, whenever she has kittens, we find homes for them. Meanwhile, the mom is Uh unwell, unnourished, needs medical, at least, you know, attention, and not to mention vaccinations and maybe dental work. And certainly she needs to be spayed. So Uh what is, is this rule? I've never heard about this rule of a wound of unknown origin, which could have come, of course, from a cat, a fight with another cat. A four-month quarantine, is there no other way to test for rabies? The only way to test for rabies is if you kill the animal. Oh, that's right. You can then find it in the brain. That's right. So you don't want to do that. No, thank you very much. So isn't that quite a a cruel, strange rule? Well, never mind. You know, there's all kinds of rules and laws that we don't have to try and make sense of. The important thing is it it does take a village to Uh save and rescue whatever number of community cats are wandering around. But it really does start with one person, and you are that one person. And I wonder, do you have a deputy? Like the day that you say, oh, these Massachusetts winters are terrible. I'm going to become a snowbird or a sunbird or whatever they call the people who flee to Florida or somewhere else. Do you have someone to take the reins? Because I always worry when someone is the heart and soul. Do you have a a mini heart and soul? Yes, because I'm 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 close to eighty now. So anyway, oh I have still, and my daughter lives in Florida, but I don't want to move there. <laughs> it's too flat. Here, 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 here. Totally agree. <laughs> yes. But anyways, Jill, um, I have Jill, and Jill has been doing all the trapping and and so forth because I just can't do it anymore. But we don't have too many. But because of the pandemic. All of a sudden, there are now homeless mother cats and kittens, and we didn't. We kind of took care of most of them in, you know, in the last uh, fifteen years, and all of a sudden, we find them again. Like I had a call today from another town, and uh, the guy caught this male cat. He said it was friendly. And he picked it up and took it home. Thought it was homeless and it was not neutered. About Ouch. nine to nine to twelve months old. So Jill went over and got it and hap- and luckily brought it to a vet that we work with. She can bring a cat on a day's notice, and they can neuter the cat and give all the shots and everything. So wow. we have a good relationship with this vet. So Jill took that cat. Then I had another call today from uh, from somebody, Elder Services, and there's a lady in the in a nursing home, but she's being evicted from her apartment tomorrow. And wow. she has an elderly cat that somebody has been feeding, but they can't take it and looking for a foster home. We don't have enough fosters. We only have Jill and Cheryl. We had another foster home, but she sold her place. So there's a big demand out there. We need fosters. So foster but Jill foster, is going to take over, yes. <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's a really good answer because it's something else that people have to think about, a legacy. Yes. You spend mm-hmm. years thousands of hours you know Mm -hmm. in in every possible wearing every possible hat from fundraising to running your Mm -hmm. trivia night to raise money to going to answering the phone to answering emails Mm -hmm. to writing to me and saying bring the cat Mm -hmm. film festival because it'll be great for our community and we want to be part of it which is Mm -hmm. a, a great feeling for me that you have learned about the cat film festival and reached out about it because that is the whole point of it is to bring the cat-loving community together, but also raise awareness as well as money mm-hmm. for a local yes. rescue or shelter. 
But it's really yeah, important it, that people think of who they're going to hand the torch off to, because right. it can't end with you. I mean, I know a number of women. No, of, it won't. I have. Of we your, have other volunteers. Yes, that's I have really well. no. Yes. I just know another number of women in in California, Los Angeles, where I used mm-hmm. to live, who started when they were middle aged, and now they're older ladies. Yeah, and yeah. and it's amazing that you still have that drive and that desire and that optimism and hopefulness. But at some point, it's not even that you're going to die, because we're all going to die, Heidi. I yeah, I know. Big shock, right? But it's also that you just may slow down and still mm-hmm. want to do as much and just physically or, you know, energy-wise not be able to do it. So it's great that you've thought of, of doing that. I, I, it's... It's very touching that people learn about groups like yours and do make the effort to call. So I want to say to people, even if you can't do something yourself, uh-huh. reach out and look for a group that is doing this work. This, you know, call it God's work, but it's really St. Francis's work, right? It's, it's looking after yes, animals. Yes. And you may not uh-huh. be able to do it yourself, but don't go by the dog or cat under a bush or a tree or by the side of the road and think... I'd like to, but I just don't want to get involved. It's okay to not want to get involved, but call the people who do want to get involved. I guess that's really what I think you deserve the most credit for, is you do want to get involved in situations that are going to be complicated in one way or another. They're not going to just be, you know, put a bow on it and it's done. It's going to take a certain amount of management and energy. You have a number of veterinarians in your area. I see them on your website as your supporters. Are those relationships that you've developed over these many decades? Yes, it has. Also, but there's a shortage of veterinarians now. That's and I right. think that's why we're seeing this increase in unneutered and unspayed cats and dogs. We don't see it too much in our, our city. Our city is pretty good with dogs. But further up north, they have quite a few um, dogs that get abandoned. So, And then they aren't spayed or neutered. And, of course, right. it isn't really just the lack of vets in a veterinary clinic. It's the the demand for these fabulous mobile clinics that go around doing spay neuter. The the vets are completely volunteer, and a nonprofit yes. group has paid for that van. and And I think their value to the community is often not well understood. But there's many people who don't have access to a vet clinic, but they yeah, would like spay Merrimack neuter. Feline. I, yeah, I listened to your last podcast with Merrimack Feline, which is north of us. When I started the group, I met with. Um, somebody from from that group and got all the paperwork. So I didn't want to reinvent the wheel, Good but for I you. met with her, and so we all kind of help each other out. All the different groups That's we work right. together. Yes, and that is another important so. element. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, but you may be geographically somewhere that another yeah. group can't access. So right. you can learn from them and even use them as part of your support system. But exactly. reach those cats that are just under a porch, slightly mm-hmm. outside of their geographic parameters. Yeah. And there are cats under too many porches. And mm-hmm. in a community with people who care, all those cats can be put to safety. They can either live in someone's home if they choose to yeah. and are willing to, or they can yeah. be safe and not reproduce and be mm-hmm. fed and kept from, mm-hmm. the, from the elements by people mm-hmm. who really care. It's, it's yep. very touching to know that it, it only takes a few people, and you only have two before you had three fosters. So 
anyone in the Beverly, Massachusetts area that's listening, or you have a friend that's near there, being a foster, especially as we get older, is actually a wonderful way to have cats in your life or dogs because you don't have to worry, uh-oh, what if I get to that stage where I'm not going to buy green bananas because I feel like, oh, my time is getting really yep. short and I don't want to leave that cat or dog behind. But if you're fostering, there's always the safety net. So you live with the cat. You love the cat. If somebody wants to give it a, a more permanent home than yours, that's great. But at the very least, you're, you have that human-animal bond and that relationship, and you're doing such good without worrying about, but what if, right? Yeah, I want to add to that. We've had what we called failed fosters. Many, yes. <laughs> and that is when somebody fosters and then they fall in love with the animal, they want to keep it and adopt it, and that's okay with us. That's fine. But, you know, so if anybody is feeling... They want to foster, and then they fell in love with the animal. They could certainly keep it and adopt that's right. it. And, and, and that's that also a way to not yes. feel that you have to make this big decision right up front. Is yes. this the right cat for me? Is this the right time mm-hmm. for me? Am yes. I going to yes. enjoy it like I did 30 years ago when I owned a cat? I, I'm not sure. Or my when my other cat died or I had to put them to, the cat to sleep, yes. I've never recovered from the pain of that. A lot of people don't want to add an animal to their house because their heart is still broken. So fostering lets you have all the good and none of the Uh things you're worried about until, of course, the cat captures your heart and then you're toast. That is your Uh cat for for good. Well, Heidi, we've run out of time, but Friends of Beverly Animals is just one of those small groups doing big good. And I just want to congratulate you for that. I do hope we wind up coming to the Cabot Theater in Beverly, Mass., which people can find that out on the website when we make that happen. And you and your folks will be there. uh, And everyone can come and salute the work you're doing. And 10% of every ticket sale will go right into your kitty jar. So thank you for being here. Thanks for this wonderful work you've done for so long. Thank you for having me. Okay. Of course. It's a pleasure. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will support all of these companies because they stand behind my mission, which is to bring you delightfully informative Pet Talk Radio. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. They make many non-chemical products for the inside and outside of your pets, as well as innovative foods like no-hide chews and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which sometimes is all that my Weimaraner Maisie will eat. I'm very grateful also to Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two extraordinary women, Allison and Hannah, who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It's higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thanks again for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this one guest version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.